Game of Thrones Season 6, Episode 7 is over, but we're just getting started answering your feedback questions here on our Game of Thrones feedback show here on Poster Recaps. And now, here are the two guys who are less fun at a party than Theon Greyjoy. I'm Rob <laughs> Cisternino, joined with special guest Stephen Fishback. Stephen, how are you? Feedback? I thought you said Feetback podcast. I was like, my feet got destroyed in Cambodia. I was like, oh, I want my feet Fish back. Fishback. Uh, Fishback. Wow. Wow. Feedback. Actually, feedback. <laughs> feedback. Yeah. Hi, this is great. I'm so excited. Josh Wiggler subbed in for me on the Know It Alls when I was traveling for Survivor, and now I'm I'm subbing in for him that he's traveling. Yes. Yeah, so Josh Wiggler is on assignment. Uh, he will be back uh, any day now uh, to resume coverage of Game of Thrones season six. But I'm very happy to have you here with us. For those of you guys who are the uninclined uh, that you may not know, Stephen Fishback and I co-host a Survivor podcast called uh, The Survivor Know-It-Alls, where we talk about Survivor after every episode of the show Survivor. Today, this is the Snow-It-Alls. Yeah, <laughs> the Snow-It-Alls. If you, if you like Game of Thrones and are not watching Survivor or listening to the Know-It-Alls, yeah, you're missing out. Okay, we'll check that out during yeah. the Survivor season. But we no Survivor talk today. Uh, probably like a little, t- little, you know, we'll we'll brush it at some point. But yeah. we are here to talk about Game of Thrones, and I'm very excited because I feel like that you could count on one hand the number of times that you and I have podcast not about Survivor. I think I think you can count it on one finger. You know, <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> we did like I'm back sure to there the was future. something else that we did back- at some know. point, but we did a Back to the Future podcast, which yeah. was very fun. Yeah. Uh, which we uh, reposted uh, back in October when it was the 30-year anniversary of Back to the Future. But yeah, here we are now to talk about this week on the Game of Thrones. Of course, also just a quick note at the top of the show, post-show recaps is nominated for not one but two podcast awards for the best TV and film and the People's Choice Podcast of the Year. Daily voting continues to June 12th at podcastawards.com, and we do greatly appreciate any consideration you guys have for voting for us at podcastawards.com. All right, Stephen, so I got to hear a little bit of the book club podcast that you and Josh did the other day because I edited it. Uh, So I got a little bit of your take on Game of Thrones season six. Yeah. Uh, What were your thoughts on this past episode? I loved it. You know, I, I, I really enjoyed it. You know, some great characters coming back who, you know, loved love the blackfish uh love his uh you know inter you know I-, I compared it on twitter to doing a bad de niro impression but he did he's like so scowling with his like you know his eyes like shut you know kind of like nodding in that sort of de niro-ish way but he was great um you know the the loved seeing the hound come back hound is such a you know a, a favorite character of mine um in the show and uh you know less less so in the books for some reason you know i think the guy the guy who's playing the hound is is so so compelling that that he makes he he really brings it out and you know the the, the little marjorie reveal was nice you know i think everyone was kind of expecting that she wasn't a full convert to the faith but to have that little kind of nice interaction and, and there was so much great olena smack talk oh and obviously i'm burying the lead you know liana mormon you know yes. I, I i want i want a freaking show about liana mormon i don't need to see any of the rest of it i just want liana mormon yeah she was really really great everybody just universally loved when was the last time you saw like a young woman or young man actor or actress like a 10 year old 11 year old kid on tv that everybody is like oh my god what a performance because usually that's the worst right. part of any given show yeah yeah it's the, the child actors are are famously terrible you know not since Haley joel osmond in the sixth sense yeah 
Uh, no, that young lady will go on to win an Oscar in our lifetime. I hope she wins an Emmy in my year time, you know, <laughs> I, for just for that scene. I don't even need to see any, any more she, of her. She was fantastic. And, you know, it was just like such a reveal that you see her because it's like typically on Game of Thrones, you have that thing where it's like, okay, you expect them to be like a little baby. No, but she was just stone cold. She was great. And she owned it. She totally owned it. You know, yeah, it was it was fantastic. She was great. Okay. Uh, the internet loved her. Well, 100% approval rating for her on the internet. <laughs> yeah, that's that's impossible on the internet. Impossible. Impossible. Yeah. She's done it. Okay. Yeah. So uh, we got a lot of different uh, topics to cover, a lot of ground to cover here in this episode. But in just in talking with you in terms of setting this up, I know that you wanted to get into Aria. That's the burning topic you wanted to talk about. Well, there's a lot of really interesting theories that have been sort of uh, – Hopscotching around the internet recently, and I, I wanted I, I wanted to get your take yes. on on, and I, I think there's basically like four or like three theories happening. Like you know, there's obviously like the, just the sort of obvious, you know, Arya was stabbed by the waif and you know fell over or jumped over the off the bridge, and now she's stabbed and wounded, and uh, she's got to look for healings, and that's kind of you know basically what we've seen. And there's a, a couple of theories too. Uh, contradict that like what's really going on behind the scenes and i want to i want to run them by you and get your get your reaction to that okay i love talking about uh the plausibility of game of thrones theories (laughs) no i'm being serious i'm being serious it's always it's always fun to uh talk about and i love when they're wrong that's my favorite thing where people are like oh it's that it's this and like eh but sometimes they're right. So. Well, I was talking a little bit about this with with uh, Josh. You know, I mean, I I am not a fan of fan fiction, but I feel no. like the Game of Thrones series. It's like it's incredible to me that they're sometimes right. You know, sometimes most of them are like like half of them are so outrageous. You're like, what are you, what are you even thinking? And you know, there's no way that's true. But then when you start to hear like the list of evidence, you're like, oh my god, maybe it's right. Yeah. And then it turns out to be the case. It's like. Wow. Like someone has dug into all of these little details and like pulled them together. And yet like, you know, 50% of those, it's like, wow, you made total sense of this. And the other 50% is like that, that was, that was nonsense. Like you are out of your mind. And so these theories I think are, you know, they're kind of in that you're going to hear them and your initial reaction is going to be, that's so dumb. And then you're going to, you know, I'm going to do my best to present them, you know, in their, in all their glory. I love it. Uh, Yeah. Okay. So, the first one is that the aria that we see paying for this this ship and uh you know getting stabbed and falling over the bridge is actually Jack and Hagar. It's Jack and Hagar wearing like the aria mask as we've seen he doesn't Jack and doesn't need to actually, you know, put on a physical mask. He can he can transform faces. And you know, he had said he had said to the waif, you know, maybe whether it's out of loyalty to aria or it's because he's nihilistic, life for a life. He's going to give his own life for Arya. Or it's a test to see if the waif will really, you know, kill Arya in the way that he's he's prescribed. Or he's just doing a solid. He just for Arya. Jacken has put on the Arya face, and and the evidence for this is that if you look at the way that Arya walks into that, you know, she Arya is has is not in these scenes acting like someone who is no who has been no one who is trained as an assassin who is fleeing you know who's fleeing an organization of assassins who might be out to kill her she struts into the into the middle of this market you know ostentatiously tosses two giant bags of uh of coins onto this table you know she's got her hands if you if you look at her posture she you know she's got her hands kind of clasped behind her back in the sort of serio uh, for pose 
And, uh, and then when we see her on the bridge, you know, and that old woman comes like, come on, Aria, we all know what's about to happen. There's no way Aria is not remotely suspicious of this woman approaching. And some, some clever internet sleuths have, uh, have isolated a moment where Aria in the house of many faces is actually looking at that old woman's face. So she's seen this face before. So, so that's theory one. Can I weigh in on the theories individually? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I'm going to say on theory number one, I am going to say, <laughs> no way. That yeah. is, why are we so invested in now the plot of the Waif and Jack and Hagar's relationship? Where is Arya? Why would Jack and Hagar go and actually buy a passage on a ship and then negotiate the price of like what you know that he said okay you'll you'll have a hammock no i need a cabin who why would jack and hagar go to that degree to deal with his accommodations on the boat like he's trying to make a scene he's like he's he's laying a trail for aria for uh, the wave to find you know he's diverting her by being by making a big splash no i am not buying that at all yeah. And that the, to the degree which he's trying to test the waif in terms of like, ah, I said, uh, you know, go easy on her. I said, you know, or make it painless. You know, I have a soft spot for Aria more so than for you, the waif, my loyal, humble employee who wants nothing. Basically, it's like the office where Aria is like Jim and the Jack and Hagar is like uh, it's Michael Scott. And then the waif is like Dwight. It's just like, oh, I'll do anything, please. Let me just be your number one. But yeah. you know, he wants to hang out with Jim. No, I'm not buying this story. Yeah, I, I don't buy it either. Like I, I went back and watched the scenes and the, the look of shock on Arya's face, both when she's stabbed, when she jumps over the water, when she's like climbing up these steps. And uh, when she's like walk, you know, she looks genuinely surprised, terrified, miserable. This is not the look of someone who, um, you know, who's secretly the mastermind of all of this. So I agree that I agree. It's not a very likely theory. No, unlikely. All right. Argument number two. This she's it's all a plot. Now, here's here's the here's Arya has has seen what the mummers can do. And uh, she has let is laying a trap. Uh, this is sorry. Theory number two. She's laying a trap for the waif where uh, she's got, you know, fake blood pouches under her jerkin. And um, she, you know, she, and, and, and some of the evidence for this is that Arya doesn't have needle with her when she goes to pay for the passage or on the bridge. Now, why would Arya go out in public without needle, you know, perhaps thinking like, Hey, maybe there's like an angry assassin out to kill me. Like, why wouldn't she have needle with her? So, so she, this is all a plan. And she's leaving a very obvious trail of blood for the waif to like follow back and, and find her. It's an ambush. (laughs) No, impossible that if it's an ambush and she's prepared for it, sort of like, uh, as we talked about it, back to the future, you know, Oh, back to the future three, Marty McFly is going to wear a bulletproof vest to the showdown with (laughs) mad dog tannin. Okay fine how does he know mad dog tan not gonna shoot him in the head uh sure i guess he could get lucky that the waif could stab aria in the stomach and she has some sort of protection she looks like she's pretty stabbed as she's walking down the street at the end of the episode leaking blood everywhere okay if you want to say okay the mummer's farce she's really taking it very far 
I can't imagine that she knew the waif was going to stab her. She doesn't seem to acknowledge the waif when she comes over. And as you mentioned, she's very surprised by all this. And she looks very hurt at the end of the episode. So, no, I can't believe that Arya was in on this and knew the ambush was coming. I, I agree with you. I agree with you. She, just based, Same reasons as, as num- the reason number one is not is not very likely. Just her her reaction uh, doesn't doesn't make it look like a, a trap at all. It's all very sudden and very very real. So um, number three is, and this is maybe the craziest one. Um, mm-hmm. Although we're calling it the I'm calling it the Fight Club uh, theory. Yes, is that you have you seen this? Yes. Yeah, Arya and the Waif are the same person. Uh, a lot of it, 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 it kind of like came out of left field on the internet, and and now it's like taken. You know, there's been a lot of articles about it. And you know, if you're if you're wildfire, looking, it has yeah, it's been like wildfire. So maybe a lot of you have seen this already. Um, and the argument the argument basically comes down to the idea that Arya and the Waif, you know, are only are only ever together, right, or with Jacken, and Jacken only ever talks to one of them at a time. Frequently, when he talks to Arya, he he tells the waif to leave first and, and uh, you know, it certainly like makes sense of, you know, our, the waif looks a lot like Arya. She's got, they've got the same haircut. Um, and, and, you know, it makes sense of this idea that, that, uh, you know, when, when the waif was like beating the crap out of Arya on the street, like no one was like, Hey guys, you want to stop this? Cause it was really just like Arya flailing around with her quarterstaff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is Arya like, like getting rid of the girl, right? Like, like uh, Jon Snow had to like kill the boy to be the man or whatever. Um, Arya has to, you know, beat the crap out of the girl to to become her her assassin self. And this is her literally killing off, uh, you know, some part of her. So, so what do you think, Rob? Okay, to me, I will say, like, <laughs> it is the most plausible, I believe, of the three. I don't think that this is what's going on, but I could. See this, so I'm sort of like 50 50 on this. I feel like it makes sense on some levels. There's certainly been a bit of this on TV in 2015, and I'm yeah. not going to spoil yeah. on what show, but I feel like that it certainly is possible. It's in the zeitgeist, but, but to me, I, I feel like that it just doesn't. Did she stab herself in the stomach? Did she not actually get stabbed? In the stomach, what is the reality of what actually happened? Yeah, I, 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 I there would be a lot of like, there'd have to be a full like fight club moment, like six sense moment, like going back to every seat and like seeing her hitting herself in the face or whatever. It, it, it to me, it's, it seems too fight clubby, you know, although I get to your, to your point, like that hasn't stopped other shows from doing the exact same thing. And it's just, it's just a little bit. At this point, corny. I think if you do the Fight Club thing, you know it's 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 become corny now. Um, yeah, I, I hope that's not it. I hope that's not it because it's you know it's it's a it's a cool idea, but it's a cool idea that's been done so much that it's now just a derivative idea. And what is the end game on this? So I'm assuming that it's like okay, it's some sort of Jack and Hagar hallucination where she isn't actually stabbed. That's why she's able to walk away she's thinking she's stabbed but she does appear to be actually bleeding there so i don't know does she like come back to jack and hagar and then it's like see you failed you are someone you're Arya stark you're not no one and then what is the end game are you just like okay that just proves the point you're not ready get the hell out of here or i have to actually kill you now 
So I, I don't know why we're doing all this. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. It's like, it would be like a twist almost for the point of a twist. You know, it would just be like, uh, you know, sometimes it's better to just have the straightforward, this thing happened rather than like everything needing to be a twist and a reveal. Um, you know, I think the, the show's best moments, right. Are those just like purely emotional moments of like the red wedding, you know, there's no twist to the red wedding, you know, that's just happened. Um, and I, I think those are, that's sometimes like the best content with that being said, then why don't we take a feedback question and start to get into this and how does Aria get out of this? Uh, John C wants to know, we all know Aria is not dead yet, but do you think that she will stumble onto Lady Crane, Jorah, or even dare I say, Sirio Pharrell and be saved? Also, will Arya exact revenge on the wave and present Jack and Hagar with a dead body or just steal her face and head back to Westeros? So, all right, we've talked about all these different scenarios of what could be happening. How does this get resolved? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, Sirio Farrell is a great, you know, you know, you you mentioned in your in your podcast, you know, if you don't see someone actually die on the screen, you can't for sure be, you know, be sure they're dead. Sirio is one of those characters who we never actually saw him die. Um, you know, it's a, it's a chapter that's, and I guess, you know, part of the, uh, the show as well, it's, that's from Arya's perspective. So she runs out and Sirio is kind of like left behind. I really, I mean, I loved Sirio. We all loved Sirio. I kind of don't think he's coming back. Like I think him coming back would kind of be almost too fan servicey, you know, in a way that is not really true to like the bleak, the bleak game of Thrones vision. Well, especially at this moment where I've talked about before on the podcast, where we had the moment where Brienne and Podrick ride in at the exact moment that saved Sansa right. from being brought back to Ramsey. And then you had everything that was going on with Benjamin star coming in at the exact moment yeah. to save Bran and Mira two weeks ago. If you had Cereal Pharrell show up exactly at this moment after Arya has been stabbed in the gut and is able to bring her back and then sort of rehabilitate her, I do feel like that that would be too much. Not to mention Melisandre showing up at the exact minute that Jon Snow needs her. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. Shortly after he needs her, but at least being there to be able to bring him back. So you're having a lot of these very fortunate circumstances for characters. Yeah. And, you know, same with, with, uh, Danny, right. Like, and, uh, you know, showing up at like the perfect time for, uh, Jorah and Dario. Yeah. It all has been very, a lot of, a lot of like big coincidences. This, this, uh, Happy accidents. Happy yeah. accidents. Yeah. So I, I don't know if that's, if, if it, we're going to have like a, a great run in like that, but you know, I definitely think that Arya has to beat the waif in some way, right? Like that's yeah. her story here is like the waif has been her, her antagonist her entire time that she's been in Bravos. She needs to overcome the waif in some crucial way before she goes home. But is the waif really the person that she needs to be? I mean, if Jack and Hagar is the person who's really the head guy, does she need to really just get past his underling? I mean, isn't the main confrontation with Jack and Hagar, like doesn't he need to sign off on her leaving or something like that? Oh yeah, totally. I, I definitely think like we're going to see him accepting it right in some way. And, and even like when, when he get when the wave requested like the ability to kill her and he kind of gave the, okay, you know, there was, there was some, some, some loss in his voice. You know, we, we, Jack, Jackins is an assassin, but he's still got a soft spot for Arya, I think. And, um, you know, I think that he'll, he'll accept it and maybe, you know, the, the life for the life, like the wave dies. Uh, and that's, that's, a, that's enough. James wants to know, is Jacken going to kill the wave for making Arya suffer? 
Is it possible that, you know, the waif comes back looking all smug and Jack and Hagar is like, uh, you did not follow my orders. That could be, I, I've thought about that. What, what do you think of that? It's possible, but, uh, you know, we talked about this on Sunday night. She is really such an ideal employee for Jack and Hagar. Who, <laughs> yeah, he who else is he going to be getting to run the house of black and white when he is not around? But it's like a whole society of assassins. You know, you said they'd have to like bring, it is weird that like they got nobody else like hanging around, but I'm sure like some, you know, we just haven't seen them. You know, there's like, it's, it's not just like the two assassins. It's like a, it's a freaking, it's a freaking society. The faceless men, they're everywhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, we don't know, you know, Rob, like we could be seeing faceless men everywhere. After all of the things that Arya has gotten away with at this point, doesn't it seem like a rampant favoritism if he's going to kill the waif over, I said, no suffering for right. Arya. I told you to kill her. You didn't precisely follow my instructions. You left you her for her dead. Yeah. I said, kill her. I mean, he told her Arya to go kill Lady Crane. She didn't do it. Arya is stealing faces and going to kill Marin Trant and doing all these different transgressions. I feel like that for this is such a ticky tack thing to kill the waif over. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I don't see Jack in like punishing the waif like that. Like maybe, yeah. Um, it's also possible that the waif goes back is, you know, says like, well, she's dead. And Jack and like knowingly is like, yeah, sure. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a tough one. All right. Well, what do you, how do you think this plays out? You think, where is Arya going to go get healing from? I don't know. I, I mean, I kind of feel like maybe we're in the East. I mean, do we get more into the Lord of Light and the Red Priestess? Mm. I don't. I don't know. Is it some sort of another spiritual healing thing that happens, or is she able to just sort of like uh, piece it back together, just like with a sewing kit? I don't know. Yeah. I, I really. I, I. I'm really stumped on this. I don't know how ultimately this all plays out because there's not a lot else going on here in Bravos. There are very few other characters. I know people have talked about Lady Crane and the actors, but they don't seem to have any knowledge of healing. Yeah. And why would they care? I mean, I guess, I guess Arya was like nice to them once. I, you know, Richard Grant, I, I really want to see more of Richard Grant who played like the lead of uh, a thespian of that troupe and is like a, you know, a renowned British actor, potentially a star in uh, X-Men movies in the future. Isn't it possible? Could Arya just go back to Jack and say, you know what? Honestly, I thought this faceless man business was for me. I don't think it's a good fit for me. That <laughs> I don't think that's how I don't think that's how the faceless men you work. You can't leave. I don't think I think once you Could know, you take in the potion, you know, you can't you're 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 in you're in for good. Yeah. You can't quit. Okay. Boy. Yeah, it's like just, a it's Supreme tough. Court appointment. Yeah, you're in for. Well, you can resign a Supreme Court appointment. Oh, okay. So I don't know what this is like, but you really should be able to. I mean, if you can't make it through the training program, I think you should, you know, opt out. It's like, hey, if you don't want to be here, then you should be able to leave. No, you, the, you're dead. If you can't do it, you're going to get killed. You know, that's. It's like I'm sure there's some organization that works like that. Something right? like that. Let us know in the comments. What's yeah. like that. All right, uh, we got to talk about what's going on uh, with the Starks and this letter that Sansa wrote. Uh, let's take a voicemail here from John Santucci. We talked about how that this was going to be certainly a letter to Littlefinger. Yeah. John has a different idea. Let's play his thought. This is John Santucci. Steven. After watching Game of Thrones Season 6, Episode 7, The Broken Man, and listening to the post-show recap, are we certain that Sansa is writing to Littlefinger for help with retaking Winterfell? Could she be writing to the Lords of the Vale ahead of Littlefinger asking for help from the Knights of the Vale 
and dishing up the dirt on Lord Baelish and his murder of Lady Arryn? Or is Littlefinger simply too fast for any raven to beat him? Thanks. Love the show. Is it possible that she is writing to anybody else but Littlefinger, such as the Knights of the Vale? Yeah, I actually thought about it because we had that scene earlier with like, um, Bron- oh gosh, what's his name? Royce, right? Yes. Yeah. The guy who Littlefinger kind of humiliated. So the, the letter has, has been analyzed by Photoshop sleuths and, and reads, you promised to protect me. Now you have a chance to fulfill your promise. The Knights of the Vale are under your command. Ride north for Winterfell. Lend us your aid and I shall see to it that you are rewarded. Now, the only person we can think of who promised to protect Sansa is Littlefinger. But, you know, maybe Robin said something, you know. I mean, the only thing that makes sense is it's Littlefinger. We're talking about the Knights of the Vale. Littlefinger has nothing else going on yeah. here in season six. His only storyline is the Knights of the Vale and Sansa. So it has to be Littlefinger. We have to get him back involved with this story. Yeah, no, I agree. I, it's all likelihood is that, is that it is, in fact, Littlefinger. Then, uh, in terms of uh, Sansa and John, I mean, how do you think that this all starts to play out? Do you think that this is like a season finale type thing of the Battle of Winterfell? Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the snowball. Uh, you know, I think we're going to have the snowball. Having a snowball, too? Snowball, yeah. The game bowl and the snowball. Um, oh, my God. There are, uh, you know, the Ramsey Snow now Bolton against Jon Snow. Um, we're gonna. I think that's likely the the second to last episode, right? We're definitely gonna get this huge, huge battle. You know, you've got the wildlings on, and, and you know the the sixty. What is it? 61? 62? 62? 62. from uh, Bear Mountain against against the the forces of of, of Winterfell. Robert Craig writes in to ask uh, with the showdown between Ramsey and Jon and Sansa coming up. I don't think things are looking too good for Rickon. He's had less airtime than Mira and Gilly. Uh, I think by my uh, season six uh, edgic uh, that to me, he's uh, either had an INV one or a uh, UTR one or two throughout the entire season. (laughs) Do you think there's a scenario where he gets out alive? I I do. Is that crazy? Is that naive of me? I think like almost because he there hasn't been, you know, a lot of Rick on stakes that he's going to, you know, make it. You know, it's like, uh, you know, a- according to Edgic, you need a visibility spike before you're, uh, you know, before you're eliminated. And because Rickon's been so invisible, uh, you know, I think I think he actually might be safe. You know, I actually kind doesn't of- that muck up the succession at Winterfell though? If we sort of feel like that Sansa is should be the person who rules Winterfell, unless you're saying that it's going to be Jon Snow is eventually going to be the person who is running Winterfell that maybe at some point, but we kind of think that it's going to be proven that Jon Snow isn't even a Stark or isn't even, well, actually, is he still, if he's Lyanna Stark's son? Yeah, but he's still a Stark, but he's, he's more, he's still Stark, more Targaryen. But yeah. Does any Stark get to run Winterfell? Does he have his choice of what he wants to be? We anyway, don't know it, enough about the, the way succession works, but why, I mean, we see women running houses all the time, you know, certainly with, with, with Lyanna Mormont. Yes, but I feel like that that's in the absence of a male heir. I feel like it goes through the male heirs and then it would be Sansa if Rickon was dead. I feel like that that was sort of the appeal of Sansa to the Boltons was that Rickon and Bran were left for dead or right. thought to be presumed dead. So that's why Sansa was sort of the heir to Winterfell. Yeah. But here you have Rickon and he comes back. I think he, he's ahead of Sansa. So now Rickon is going to be like the Lord of Winterfell. Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. At some point, Rickon has to go. It's sad. Poor Rickon. What's he ever done? What's he ever done to hurt anybody? 
Um, I don't know. Just, just, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't see it happening now. I guess it's possible that it happens at the end, by the end of the season, but I think, I think Rickon needs uh, a vis- uh, visibility spike before he can truly be eliminated. Although this next episode, unfortunately, I think that visibility next- spike is going to go through his head. <laughs> Head's going to be on that visibility spike at the end of the season. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's. You know, I I was really on board with the whole. uh, You know, the whole plot to the whole. uh, You know, the idea that this was all just a a plot of the um, the Umbers to to now to save the Starks and you know undo the Boltons, but but I I think that ship has sailed. Not a lot of support uh, that we're seeing for the Starks in the North at this point in time. Yeah, Uh, pretty unpopular. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit like the Starks returning was a little bit like the uh, 2016 Jeb Bush campaign, where I think that, you know, that a lot of people were like, hey, remember the Bushes? Like, here's yeah. here's the next the next Bush that he's going to rise to power. And everybody was like, no, no, yeah. we don't want this. Yeah. We yeah. Were like, no, come on. It's Jeb. Remember? Remember? Like, uh, no, nobody was interested. Yeah. And, and the John and Sansa were about as good on the campaign trail as Jeb, Jeb was, you know, just just terrible, like weak willed, you yes. know, kind of kind of. Uh, yeah, they, they were awful in, in when they went campaigning. I wouldn't have given my troops yeah. to their sort of like mumble mouth, you know, nonsense. I just talked to a bunch of people. I just talked to the Glovers. Jon Snow was there low energy he was so low energy you yeah. would think this guy was dead he yeah. was so low energy john snow so ramsey is really saying is like the the trump of of of, uh, of game of thrones <laughs> I, look uh i don't want to i don't want to go political i'm just yeah, uh making yeah. the comparison between that the starks were not as popular as maybe you know they have these huge super packs of like yeah then stark 2016 uh people were not super interested okay Let's talk about what's going on down at River Run, and uh, I want to get your take on this. So here's a, a question that we've gotten from a couple different people about, you know, why is Jamie with the Lannister army going to River Run when maybe there are other places on the map he could be taking that army? Right. Adrian from Ireland wants to know, why is Jamie not taking the Lannister army south to take out the Sand Snakes? They killed his daughter, who's also a member of the royal family for Dickon's sake. <laughs> for Dickon's sake. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, River Run is one of the big houses, right? Like, this is one of the the, the central houses in the Game of Thrones world. Um, you know, Freys were a vassal to River Run. And I, you know, I think that that may, that's why it's so important, right? Like, this is one of the central places. And even if it's not even if it hasn't been like a huge plot point, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's one of like the major, the major castles in the, in the region. Uh, is it technically, is it one of the seven kingdoms? Uh, I don't know if like if the river in itself wouldn't be a kingdom. I don't know. It's a good question. Like, it's like, is it like the central? Cause the, 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 yeah, the I'm looking at of the, the, the wiki uh, right now, the seven kingdoms, there's the North, there's the mountain and the veil. There's the isles and the rivers, uh, which are technically so be, uh, ru- ruled by Harrenhal. I think that's sort oh, of yeah, the, interesting. Uh, the, I think that's technically that kingdom, uh, kingdom of the rock, kingdom of the stormlands, kingdom of the reach, and the principality of Dorne. So technically, uh, not its own kingdom, uh, River Run. It's part of Harrenhal area. But it's a technicality. The Riverlands were ruled by the Ironborn at the time of the Targaryen conquest. For this reason, the River Riverlands didn't have a king, and therefore are not counted as one of the Seven Kingdoms. So there you go. Everything you never wanted to know about River Run. <laughs> 
Okay. Uh, you know, the Dornish thing was like a big deal in the premiere in that we killed off everybody from Dorn and it was like this uh, Sand Snake's menace was introduced and we haven't seen anything about it since the first episode. Yeah, and, and lucky us. <laughs> but I mean that Jamie and the Lannisters never reacted to uh, Prince Doran being killed. Yeah, that was such a, a a weird moment. And I, you know, I'm sure as everyone knows, it does not track with the books. So, you know, there's so much going on. It, it almost felt to me like, you know what? Let's not deal with this whole, this whole Doran thing. We got a lot of other like fish to fry. Okay. We got an hour a week. You know, what, what, what do you think? I mean, what do you think that that's going to come back? Well, I think that the very simple answer to the question is why didn't Jamie take the Lannister army to Dorn? Farther. Is twofold. One, because it wasn't his call. Yeah. That King Tommen said, you have to go and take the army to go on official business up to River Run and work on this siege of, of River Run and take out the Blackfish. Uh, that was his job. And number two, I think that we sort of were unclear about this, but I think that what Jamie ended up doing was sending Tristane back to Dorne, and that's where he ended up getting killed, where we had thought initially in the episode, like, hold on, did the Sand Snakes get to Westeros, and that's where they killed Tristane? So they may not even know that, you know, Tristane is dead and any of that stuff. Yeah, it's so far I, away. You know, Dorne is, is separated by the deserts. You know, you yeah. can never win a land war in Dorne. You know, like no no <laughs> army right. wants to like go to the deserts of Dorne when you could go to like the lush river riverlands. And the other thing is that, you know, as Antonio was saying, right, this is this is a debt they owe to, to House Frey. This is one of their big allies. You know, the Freys are all kind of like goofy losers, but uh, they're also, you know, the key allies. You know, the Twins is obviously a hugely strategic, important castle. And, you know, everyone's focused up north, right? Like what's happening in the north? You know, who, who, how are we, how are we, you know, there's, they got a lot of things in their plate, the, the Lannisters right now. You know, they got this weird thing happening with the Martells, you know, they're the frenemies, you know, certainly the, the, the faith militant is, is a huge problem for them. You know, a lot going on. they, got, they okay. got enough. All right. So speaking of the Lannister army, Brendan Fitzpatrick wants to know with Brienne heading to River Run, is it possible that she's able to convince Jamie to take the Lannister army north to help Sansa take Winterfell? Jamie oh, still wow. owes Brienne a debt, right? From Oathkeeper. Uh, right now, it seems like River Run is just a stalemate. So if it turns out that the Blackfish is like, hey, do you have two years? Is it possible that Jamie is like, okay, I guess we have time. Do you want to just go <laughs> and settle the score with the Boltons? Because they did steal Sansa from us. That, uh, you know, we're still a little annoyed with those guys. Or is it possible? Like, is it basically. Could we see a Stark Lannister reunification at some point? Yeah, you're right. It would definitely involve taking uh, Littlefinger's uh, portal, you know, quite quite a bit of like portal use. But I don't see it. You know, the Boltons only have the are the wardens of the north because of the Lannisters, right? The Lannisters like made them wardens of the north. Basically, as far as we know, Boltons are Lannister allies. I definitely think it's likely that we're going to see a Brienne, uh, Jamie reunion in some way, right? There, there's going to have some interaction. Brienne is going to this siege where Jamie is, uh, that Jamie's running. Clearly Brienne is not going to be successful in her, in her, her, her uh, quest yeah. to get the armies a river run. Um, yeah, I'm imagining that she comes away empty handed. Like, why, why would Jamie agree to attack, attack Winterfell? He gave well, Winterfell to, yeah. to, you know, the Boltons. There's a couple of issues here. One, Walder Frey wants this issue to be dealt with 
at the River Run. Yeah. And he's not going to let the Lannister army cross uh, the twins to get to Winterfell uh, to go and run on a different errand. So that's a potential problem. But we saw in the first episode that Roose Bolton was talking about, like, uh, you know, you idiot, we had Sansa here, and now I've got a Lannister army or the Lannisters uh, coming for me because I think that they were just warden of the North. Yeah. And then by stealing Sansa away when she was a prisoner and then marrying Sansa, who was a sworn enemy of House Lannister, to Ramsay, I think that they felt like, okay, now we have an actual claim. We're not just wardens of the North. So the Lannisters do have a bone to pick well, with the Boltons, but... Well, the claim to Winterfell is different than the wardenship. Like, there's a warden of basically of every direction. So warden of the North just means, like, they're the best house in the North. Yeah, but I feel like that because they did this stunt with marrying Ramsay to Sansa, I think that that's why they needed a Stark to say, no, we're the rightful, we're not just wardens, we run the North now because we have a Stark. Well, yeah, well, that was the claim to right to Winterfell. It's like they're like two different, two different. Oh, okay, okay. So the ha- the actual castle yeah. as opposed to the kingdom. Okay. Well, let's not uh, nitpick that too much. Yeah. But like we did see Cersei try at least to have some sort of reconciliation with Lady Olena. Is it possible that maybe that if there is some way to prove that it wasn't Santa that had anything to do with Joffrey's death? Is it Could we ever see the Starks and the Lannisters back on the same page? Ugh, I mean, maybe like some end game, you know, attack. Well, on what's the-, the beef between the Starks and the Lannisters? The sure, sure, Joffrey ended up killing Ned. Yes, Joffrey's yes. gone. Ned is gone. Let's just wipe that off the table. What, what do you want to say? That it was that Jamie Lannister pushed Bran out the window? Well, Bran has seen in visions that like, ah, Jamie Lannister, he killed the Mad King. He, maybe he's not such a bad guy. And didn't Tywin like secretly arrange for the whole wedding with with uh, Walder Frey? Like, I, I feel like this is like, you know, now obviously there's a lot of like big bads happening. We got the Boltons, we got the White Walkers, we got whatever's going on, you know, with with Daenerys and her like Hiller youth. Um, but, you know, we've got, you know, the, the, the central antagonism in this story was between the Lannisters and the Starks. You know, this is what the whole thing is based on. It's like the War of the Roses. I don't think we're gonna, they're just going to be like, you know what, let's let bygones be got be bygones and until there is some like until they see the the you know the dead at their doorstep. What did they have left? Let's just say hypothetically, let's say that Tommen ends up getting murdered in some circumstances that have nothing to do with a Stark for Jamie and Cersei. The Starks might be all they have. Why? Why do they have? To, like, I don't know. They, the I Boltons don't know. are the power in the North. Like, why not stick with the Boltons? If you're the Lannister. Now, obviously, yeah. I'm on Team Stark and not Team Bolton. But if you're yeah. a Lannister, the Boltons seem to have everything going on. You know, they're they're running things up there. Even the Glovers are like, forget the, if, the, if, the, if the Starks can't win over the Glovers, can they win the Lannisters? I don't think so. Certainly a potential fan fiction there. But <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's outside of the realm of I possibility. I think it's eventually, I can't see it eventually happening. You know, we've certainly like come around to, to Cersei and Jaime like quite a bit as people. I think I certainly see like some kind of, uh, you know, acceptance of, of their mutual flawed misery. Uh, but, okay. but yeah. All right, let's bounce around and talk about a couple other things. Uh, back in King's Landing, uh, with everything going on uh, with Cersei, we have this potential trial by combat looming. Uh, Umberto has a interesting choice for who the faith might choose to be their champion. Oh, yeah. Hey, Robin, Steven, this is Umberto from Miami. So we've been talking about the fact that uh, the High Spire probably knows that Cersei is planning something and is planning on use the man town on the trial by combat. And he has to be planning something. We're all expecting about 
him using the hound. But I think the High Spider might be planning something else. He has to be had something on his sleeve. What if he decides to use Toman as his champion? And then Cersei will have to choose between her innocence or the mountain killing Toman. Wow. Wouldn't that be crazy? It would be crazy. All right. Bye. Now, would the High Sparrow risk his grasp on power? Now, again, if there's an heir, if Marjorie does give a baby, then I guess maybe that could put Tommen. I don't know how you talk Tommen into, okay, you're going to take on the Hound. Maybe it's like, hey, in the seven, all things are possible. Give it a shot. Yeah. I mean, I think you're right. You, you mentioned in, in, in the podcast that, that uh, really tentative hold on the seven kingdoms, you know, it all comes or really tentative hold on power that the high sparrow has and all kind of comes through Tommen. And just basically that, that the high sparrow is able to like guilt trip Tommen into being right into being a, uh, uh, more faithful. If Tommen dies, the high sparrow loses a lot of leverage. Ugh, what do you think? I don't think so. I, I, I'm out on that. I think that might be a little too fan fiction-y. Uh, I mean, do you feel, though, that we're 100% getting a game ball? Because I can't see how you're getting the Hound down yeah. to King's Landing in these next couple episodes to fight for the fate. Yeah, I mean, I really think the game ball has to happen at some point, uh, right? Like, But uh, the idea of it being, you know, I don't see the story of the hound. Cause I expected the story of the hound to be like, he's a man of faith now and he's going to take up arms for the faith and he's going to do it against, he's going to do it against Cersei. He's going to do it against the mountain. But like, that wasn't really the story that he, he just had, you know, he's not like some great man of faith now. Is no. he like, if anything, like the lesson that he had was like, man, faith really doesn't get you anything in this miserable world, you know? And now he like has an ax to grind against the brotherhood without banish. literally, like, li- yeah. literally exactly. uh-huh. a literal ax to grind. But um, they yeah. asked him, okay, well, what's motivating you now? What's driving you now? And he said, Hey, who is, is it hate for the mountain? Is it hate for Brienne? Like who is his, is it hate towards uh, the Lannisters? Yeah, I think it's all of the above, right? Like he's everybody. just like had so much, like it's just so many terrible, awful things that people have done. It doesn't seem like the mountain's going to like, you know, hoof it back to uh, King's Landing. I'm sorry, that the, the, the hound is going to hoof it back to King's Landing and be like, all right, you know, where do I sign up for this, uh, for this trial by combat thing? I still hold out some hope for that just as a uh, a fan and like someone who's like desperately eager to see that fight. But uh, I don't, I don't know how likely it is. Okay. What do you, you, you think so too, right? When there's this much smoke, uh, sorry uh, to the hound, but I feel like there has to be fire, right? <laughs> oh, so you think it, he is going to be uh, the champion of the faith? If not him, then who? I mean, there's nothing yeah. else that makes sense. I yeah. mean, it's not like we have a variety of other, unless you're going to say, that it's going to be Lance Lannister is going to take on the mountain. No, no, no. It that's a, that's a, yeah. That's, well, I hope that's true and I hope it happens. I really like, I, 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 you know, I think at some point they're going to face off like this whole trial by combat we've all been speculating about has, you know, certainly seems to be imminent. Uh, and, and that would be great. And, you know, the, the, the narrative makes sense. So maybe, yeah, I, I'm, I'm back. I'm back, Rob. You've talked me into it. Okay. Robert Craig writes in to ask uh, with the season winding down, which well-known characters do you think might not survive the season? I think Ramsey is an obvious choice. But how about some of the others like Tommen, Brienne, Melisandre, or the High Sparrow, just to name a few? I just can't see the season ending without a few more casualties. I just really hope the High Sparrow is one of them. He just flat out sucks. Now, (laughs) Stephen, you know, I do feel like that to some degree we've been lulled into a sense of safety. Yes, Hodor died. But I feel like that all the deaths we talk about are all the really fan servicey ones, Stephen. 
we don't talk about the possibility of, you know, Tyrion, Daenerys, the Starks, or a- anybody who's a major player fan favorite dying outside of, you know, Hodor took people by surprise and, you know, probably not one of the, you know, top 15 main characters of the show with all due respect to the late great Hodor. Are we being set up here? I mean, it's a pretty limited roster now. They've killed off so many people. You know, they're really just left with the, the core team. Okay. What, what do you, I mean, I, I, I definitely think the High Sparrow is going to go, right? Like by yeah. the end of this season. Like, okay, so let's go through this list real quick. Tommen, okay. yes or no? Oh, I think Tommen's here to stay. Tommen, I think, is around for a while. Because who's going to be the king if Tommen's yeah. gone? There's no, we don't, we bet. There's no obvious next king. Yeah, I think Tommen's here. Okay, Brienne. Is Brienne dying? No. No, no, no Brienne's not dying. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Melisandre. What's Melisandre up to anyway? We you know, seen we, her a while. We, we haven't seen her. I don't think she's, who's going to kill her? There's no one to kill her. Davos. Oh, Davos could die. He yeah, could die. I feel yeah. like that the He's Shireen, uh, you know, being burned alive thing, I think that by where the, uh, they made a point of telling us that the army was parked, where yeah. Stannis' army was parked. I feel like we're going to get some evidence of what happened there with Shireen. And that's going to kill Davos? No, I think Davos is going to say that we have to we have to get rid of Melisandre. Oh, you think? Oh, so and you think Melisandre will will axe Davos? No, no, I think that I think that Davos will axe Melisandre. I think that oh. he will. Uh, I think, oh, I'm sorry. That's you were saying. Would da- could Davos kill Melisandre? Sorry, yeah. I thought you were saying would Davos survive? I actually can see Davos dying at the uh, at the Battle of Winterfell. Okay, that'd be interesting. Uh, and the High Sparrow. You think High Sparrow is dying? Uh, yeah, he's definitely getting you know some kind of uh, removal from power, right? You agree with that? Uh, I just feel like that he is probably still around for a bit. I mean, we have three episodes left. We think we're going to get rid of this whole High Sparrow menace. I kind of feel like that until whatever happens, happens at the end, I think that we're going to be dealing with this whole High Sparrow faith militant situation for a a, a bit longer. I just think we got to have like, you know, Marjorie's got some plot, right? So we're going to see some, like some, some cards are going to be pulled. You know, I think we're going to see her plot. I think that's another question uh, that we had gotten in the King's Landing section. That was from uh, Brendan Fitzpatrick. I still don't grasp Marjorie's plan or endgame here with the High Sparrow. Is she just planning to get Loras free, or is there a larger goal I'm missing? I, I mean, I'm definitely missing it too, but it's something, right? She's agreeing to something. You know, she's got some some trick up her sleeve, and it doesn't seem like it's just uh, it's all to free Loras. You know, I think she's she's got some plan, and and whatever it is, like I'm eager for it, and I think that it, you know, I think it's likely that it, right when, when her when she plays her cards, like. It's going to sideline the High Sparrow. No, no, you don't, you don't buy it. You, you just think she's like a captive, basically. No, I, I'm a big Marjorie fan. I'm, I'm a big Marjorie supporter, but is what she's going to do ultimately undo the High Sparrow? Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, there was for, some foreshadowing that people had picked up on on Reddit. There's like a scene from a couple seasons ago where Marjorie mentioned something about like, I'll have a necklace of sparrows made up. And people feel like, oh, this means Marjorie is going to take out the sparrow. But how? I don't. I don't know necessarily how she's going to pull that off. I don't either. <laughs> That's what's so exciting about this show. Yeah, we really, we all don't know. Isn't yeah. this fun? Isn't this fun though? With it, isn't it, there's some fun in not knowing? Oh, I love not knowing. Yeah, I love being unspoiled. Or you know, it's it's great to like just you know, it's great to guess. It's great to be wrong. It's great to talk about like all the you know the absurd, ludicrous theories and that that, that then could turn out to be true. Yeah. And believe me, like uh, for everybody that's waiting for the books, the books are going to be, you, you don't even know what's going to happen in the books. Just yeah. because it happened on the TV show doesn't mean you're going to be surprised again. 
probably totally different. There's some characters yeah. that are still alive in the books that, you know, and I bet too George R. R. Martin is like, you know what? I'm, he's, I bet he's like deliberately altering course in order to be more different from the show. Oh yeah. He's like, oh, you thought that was good? Well, I'll, I'll, yeah. show, I'll yeah. show you. I'll yeah, show exactly. Okay. All right, Steven, this was so much fun to get to talk to you about it. Uh, this time has flown by. And, um, you know, I hope at some point down the road, we get a chance to do this again. Yeah, this was great. I, I really had fun um, for those things that I was right about, you know, in your face. And for those things I was wrong about, you know, I, sorry, yes. I, I apologize. <laughs> yeah. If I get it all wrong, I can just live with the fact that, you know, uh, much like the way if you're just a figment of my imagination, <laughs> yeah, I'm just a, a partner to spar with. I've been beating you up in your subconscious for, for years. Yep. You know what I really liked that I feel like we went away from where was there was a theory about like, you know, Aria blew out the candle at the end of the episode uh, two weeks ago yeah. or the or last week. And it was like, oh, because Aria is trained to fight without sight when the wave shows up. Arya is going to be able to beat her in the dark. Yeah, uh, I, I was disappointed that we didn't do that. I, you know, it's not it's not over yet. I guess so. But she's I, she's going to go and like uh, lay with all of her wounds in the dark and wait for the waif to come back and finish the job. Wouldn't the waif have gotten the same training as Arya? Like, why wouldn't the waif be no, also good? Arya was combat? punished for stealing the faces. She had to oh, lose her sight. Right, right. Yeah. Good call. Oh yeah. yeah, I think I think I I still th- see that happening. The, well, the dark fi- dark fight is not really great for TV though. No, not great. Maybe we'll put on like night vision goggles. Yeah, it. <laughs> was it infrared. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Stephen, do you have a hashtag for this episode? Oh God, uh, no, I don't. Do you? Okay. What about a happy accident? Happy accident. I like it. Okay, it's like this this podcast between us is a happy accident. <laughs> Either that, or I don't know if you want to call back to uh, Jeb Snow. Oh, yeah. Jeb Snow is great. Let's do Jeb Snow. Hashtag Jeb Snow. Okay. All right. Well, uh, good stuff all the way around. If you want to follow Stephen Fishback, uh, who's been live tweeting the Game of Thrones, too. He's really on point. I, it's hard, though, because like, how do you avoid being spoilery with while also talking about a show that you know like 60 million people are watching? Yeah, I don't think it's actually that hard because I think that a lot of times it's like, oh, that's got to hurt. I yeah, feel like, yeah, exactly. You know, I, I feel like that there's what? a lot of like, you like oh my it? God, I can't believe they killed, uh, uh, you know, Sam Tarly. Uh, I, I feel like that, you know, you're really just commenting on everything that's going but on. I, I, I will sometimes like, you know, you're like, I'm sure we all refer to the hound, right? You know, like that's a spoiler. Oh, I believe that I follow uh, somebody that we both know on Snapchat who uh, had no problems of like on Snapchat. Oh, can't believe the hound is back. Like showing them on uh, Snapchat. I mean, like uh, how irritated would you be if you hadn't watched the episode yet and you just are on Snapchat? Uh, like there's what, what are the chances that you're thinking Game of Thrones is going to be spoiled? I Yeah, yeah. It's it's we're in a very complicated age. And I hope that like either in the future or that like our you know, our children, our children's children figure out how to balance like social media with spoilers. Cause it's really a, the signature problem of our times. Yes. I think that we should be devoting all of our resources to solving uh, mankind's greatest problem at the matter of us being spoiled. You know, they, they can have like an opt in, you know, at Twitter be like, or like, to, like if you use a, a certain hashtag, you're like, you know, you're opted in or something. I don't know. Yeah. Opt, you want to opt out on opt out. Yeah. Or you opt out. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe the Lord of light is on working on this. I think, you know, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Stephen, this was so much fun. You could follow Stephen Fishback on Twitter for those live tweets during the episode at Stephen Fishback. Uh, anything else you want to tell people who may not know your work from everything you do with Survivor to check out? No, uh, you know, the, the Twitter. Twitter is where it's at. Twitter is where it's at. Okay. Uh, I believe that Josh Wiggler will be back in the fold for a Game of Thrones book club uh, this week. Uh, Don't quote me on that 100%, but I believe that is the plan. And of course, the daily voting continues 
for post-show recaps at the 2016 Podcast Awards. We will be back live after episode number eight of Game of Thrones entitled No One. Does that change your perspective on anything with Arya? Uh, well, I mean, it's definitely going to be an Arya-centric episode. You know, I, I, you know, could could lean in on this uh, fight club, fight club theory. Yeah, that's the name of the episode. Okay, so that's coming up this Sunday night. We will be live around 11.30 p.m. Eastern time uh, to talk about it all and to make sure you don't miss any of the podcasts. You can subscribe to our Game of Thrones podcast feed. Go to postshowrecaps.com slash G-O-T iTunes. Looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say in the comments. Take care, everybody. Bye. Bye.